the Status Flow podcast where we do live coaching sessions with business owners, individuals working on any number of issues or goals. Today we have Catherine from Civility Partners. Catherine is looking to be a multi-million dollar CEO and she's experiencing a little bit of friction. Let's get right into it. So Catherine, what can I do for you? Gosh, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Well, I can tell you, give you some background. Uh, I don't know if you know Anya Soto. She's also in Provisors. Anya and I are merging businesses because we complement each other so well. So while an outsider would see us probably as a competitor, we recognize that we complement each other. Um, So she is coming under Civility Partners. Um, So I think just my goal is that I want to be the CEO. I don't want to do client work anymore. I want to be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. That is my professional goal. Um, so we're working on 1.5 is our uh, revenue goal for this year. Um, with Anya and I both doing sales, I have no doubt we will get to that goal. But um, I guess so some of what I'm struggling with is just there's so much going on, right? I wrote out a list of all of the things that are priorities in Q1 yesterday, and it's like two pages long. <laughs> um, so I I'm I keep telling Anya, I swear I'm a good leader. I just, ha- I feel like I haven't really been leading because it's like in the weeds trying to make stuff happen. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my first question is, if you know in all of your confidence that you're going to hit that 1.5, why are you only reaching for 1.5? That's a great question. Like you're uh, you're already playing small right now. Like right here, right now, we're playing softball. Why are we doing this? I mean, it. I guess I've been trying, I've been saying I want to get to a million for a long time. And last year we did uh, basically 850 and I was at, my rolling 12 basically stated at 850. So it feels like 1.5 feels like a smart goal, right? It's reasonable. I No, I, this is bullshit. We don't do reasonable. No. We, we don't do reasonable as status quo. This is nonsense. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. You, you're, you're already playing small. And if you want to get to that, you want to be, a, you want to be, if I heard you correctly, you said, I want to be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. Okay. So yeah. 1.5 is just barely multi-million, but you're already starting off with, a, a, a playing small mindset. So we got to get you, I, I would, where you are right now and how I'm sensing in your energy right now and everything, you are better off stretching for something that is borderline absurd or ridiculous mm-hmm. than setting the bar at 1.5 because your brain tells you that's what's quote unquote reasonable. Okay. So what is, let me ask you this. And and I, as much as I dislike this phrase, I'm going to use it. Uh, clear your mind. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to listen for the answer. Um, it's it's already in your head, so it doesn't need to drop in. But it's it's already in there. But what is the number that you are currently holding in your consciousness that you're going to that you're going to generate? Three million. Okay, so that's the number that's that's in there. That is like a like the tr- okay. That should be your at least goal like because if that's the number you're holding in your consciousness mm-hmm. then you stand a chance by setting this 1.5 thing this is your brain getting in the way of your truth mm-hmm. right your truth is i really believe in this three million figure um 
you're going to affect your bottom line, your sales figures, your revenue dollars much more by what you're holding in your consciousness than by market trends, than what you think is going to happen, than what your brain wants to process around. Because what you're holding in your consciousness is energy. What you're holding in your brain is data and noise. Mm -hmm. So let's let's start right now by making this at least a $3 million revenue goal. Okay. Now you have, now a lot of this is, it sounds like so far that a lot of this is going to be strategy. Um, you have two pages of quote unquote priorities. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's understand um, that number one priorities is not a word. I mean, I know it is, it shouldn't be. And here's why, because when you have multiple priorities, you remove all meaning of the word, similar to having multiple favorites. If I have three favorites, I have none by definition, right? So right. there is always in any given moment, only one priority. So as you go down the list of those things that need to happen, what are the ones, and you say you have two pages, what are, I don't yeah. know, five of them that have the biggest impact on that $3 million revenue? Like, let's take a look at those. What That's are they? Great question. So they all, so we, you know, if our revenue goal has been 1.5, our goal for Q1 is to do 375 in sales uh, for the year. And right. um, so all of these priorities or bullet points, a lot, most of them lead up into that. So it's things like doing our webinars that get us, you know, leads. It's teaching Anya how to do some of the work that I do with clients so that I'm freer to do the marketing. It's uh, helping my other team member get good at what she's doing so I don't have to super. So a lot of it is is kind of like delegating out in order to get us to, you know, where we can function more. Mm -hmm. um, some of it's doing, we're updating our website to create more conversions and, you know, email drip marketing. And so that's where I feel like the rush of like, we have to get this number and all of these things are happening right now, you know? So I, yeah, I know when I was doing it yesterday, kind of what you're saying, this is not there. This is not a list of priorities. It's a to-do list. They yeah. all feel very important. <laughs> right. Right. So are these like tasks, like one-off things, or are they more project kind of stuff? Like like the marketing campaign would be like a project thing, whereas yeah. sending the ad to the digital marketing people would be the task. Are these cam are these project things or task things? I think it's a mixture. Okay. What is the number one project thing on there that has the best chance of making the deepest impact on hitting that goal? Uh, I would say Anya and I said that we would send an email to cross-sell each other. She's sending all of her clients through her old company, I'm sending my clients to kind of introduce and say, you know, hey, we should touch base or something new happening. I think that's because they're, you know, super warm leads. We've already worked okay, with right. them. So that's probably the number okay. one. Okay. And who's responsible for the execution of the email blast to everybody? Uh, Anya's responsible for hers and I'm responsible for mine. <laughs> okay. So this is the kind of thing, like if you're going to be the CEO of a multimillion dollar company, we got to get you in a CEO mindset. Yeah. I can't so, be emails, right? What's that? Yeah. You, you have honestly, okay. A couple of things need to happen here. Um, the CEO of a multimillion dollar company has no business sending that email. None. Right. 
how can we offload this and start moving you into a position where you are responsible for everything? You are not responsible for doing everything. You're responsible for everything getting done. You're not responsible for doing it. Those are two different things. Yeah. So, so I would say, so Anya and I wrote a template email together that, you know, one for her and one for me so that I have a template. Theoretically, I could give it to my assistant to send it out on my behalf through my right. email. However, I've, you know, then the, but that's my client and I know what's going on with them. And so feeling right. the to tailor every email <laughs> for the client is where the hiccup is. <laughs> Do you know when I fly Virgin Airlines, do you know who does not come down the aisle to offer me a beverage? Richard Branson. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You have an opportunity and um, to, to not just be the CEO of a multimillion dollar company, you have the opportunity to provide a place for other people to become awesome, for other people yeah. to grow, for other people to be empowered. Like that's the great thing. And you cannot do that if you're the one sending all the emails. So while yes, I love my little client and I just, I love the contact and yes, and we're playing a bigger game now. And that doesn't mean we don't want the personal touch. It doesn't mean we don't have the personal touch. It means the way we do it, the systems and the processes are going to have to change. So right. tell them what needs to be done. Make sure they understand the brand. Make sure they understand the brand voice and all the things that need to happen there in terms of communications. And then you look at it and you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. And depending on your leadership style, does it need to be 80% close to what you have in your head is perfect? Does it need to be 90%? Like, what are the things you can let go? Like, you got to get out of that kind of micromanaging framework. Mm -hmm. and, and and you just, you got to play a bigger game. You got to up-level yourself here. Yeah, I hear you. I And I think- it's See, funny. you know all this stuff. I'm not I telling do. you anything you don't know. I do, <laughs> but it's good to hear it from somebody, right? Um, it's funny because on the flip side, my team tells me I often don't give enough information, right? I'm like, you could do it. I you'll figure it out. <laughs> and then in this That's scenario, great. it's like I want to hang on to it, you know. So there's uh I'm realizing this sort of dichotomy of like, no, I'm gonna micromanage this thing, but this other thing, you can mm -hmm. do it. You don't need me at all. So I wonder where that's coming from. Well, where is that coming from? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, think I mean, your energy feels good. You're really charged up about this. Like I can feel that you are so on board with your thing here. So um, something else that's interesting is that you have some competing intentions here because you said you don't want to do client work anymore. And yet you still kind of want to do client work. It's like that comfort zone thing. Maybe it's the money, like the any the sales thing. I feel like it needs to be done so right in order for these former clients of mine to come back and say, yes, we want to meet Anya and sign us up to pay you more money uh, versus some of the other things like writing a blog post or, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm realizing maybe I don't trust other people there to it is. sell something. I was say, who is it you're not trusting, the client or Anya? Yeah, I'm I'm not trusting. Well, it's not Anya I would do it. It's my assistant. But yeah, I yeah, it's the okay. sales thing I'm hanging on to, I guess. And okay, it feels so who so are you not trusting? Because you're not trusting the client to come with you with this change. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I guess it's both. I'm not trusting that my mm -hmm. 
assistant will do it with all, you know, she's not going to be able to tailor it the way that I would, but it doesn't need to be tailored. I'm hearing you say, uh, and then I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels so important. And so I feel like well, it is you've, I mean, look, you're, you're all in on this. It, it, it's absolutely so important. You have just taken your organization and merged it with another organization. So your, your, your baby is now, you know, gotten into a relationship and <laughs> right. It's right. like, I, I reference growing kids, like growing businesses, right. It is important. You, uh, I, you know, I, it is important how it's communicated for sure. Like, like I mentioned earlier, it needs to be aligned with the brand voice and everything. Um, and you do have a strategy around this, like the, and you know, and you've uncovered it very quickly here. The it's the trust issue and how your, your strategy is playing that out by clinging to the client, by wanting to, you know, handhold this thing all the way through and kind of micromanage it, but understand that those not just behaviors, also their energetic patterns Mm-hmm. are not conducive to leveling up to that CEO multi-million dollar company kind of thing, right? And it ultimately disempowers people beneath you. Right? Because now they're not empowered anymore. They're they're order takers. They're just doing what you're telling them. Right. And not many people love jobs like that. I mean, some people like I just want to do my work and not have to think. Cool, right? They work at the DMV. I don't know, right? I <laughs> just got your forms and you do your things and there's no yeah. I don't I don't know how much thinking's at the DMV. I I shouldn't joke too much. Um Everybody knows um, about the DMV. Just, <laughs> and then they'll say, that's not my waiting. job. You got to go over there to that <laughs> <Exactly>. other person. <laughs> and maybe, maybe not pick on the DMV specifically, but a lot of government entities that are yes. just like really kind of like machines in that regard. Yes. Um, but this is not, this is not a machine, right? This is because you do have that connectivity. You do have that touchy feely thing. That is kind of part of the culture of the organization to have that personal feel personal touch feel kind of thing. So um so it it is an investment in the future of the organization by training these people. And yes, there will be growing pains. Yes, they will screw things up. Yes, something will go out with a typo or that's not quite the right brand voice or whatever. Um you know, I've I've had it happen in my organization too. Where I'm like, oh, I would never even something that I said last month, I'm like, oh God, I would never say it that way now. Right. Because something <laughs> changed in my head. Um, so it does become a practice, right? And this is where, this is where you start looking at these things through that lens, noticing where are my patterns, where are my strategies playing out where that are all oriented around because I don't trust. Let me ask you this, where, um, where in your personal life are you not trusting something or someone? That's a great question. So I'm glad we're talking now because Four months ago, I I was a totally different person. So I'm going through a very ugly divorce and it definitely took me a a while. Like last year was this crazy roller coaster I went on where I was fairly disconnected, distracted. And even I was telling my team, say, you know, kind of what I was saying to Anya earlier, like, I feel like I'm not leading. Everyone's just kind of doing what they're supposed to do so we can chug along uh, but I haven't, I haven't shared a strategy or anything with you. I haven't been visionary. Um, and then it was weird. It was like one morning I woke up and it was just like, I'm back. I'm me. And it was so crazy. Cause then right. Away, I'd already been kind of courting Anya wanting to work with her, but mm-hmm. I just woke up one morning, Anya, you're working with me. I'm not taking no, I hired a EOS implementer, you know, and it was just like, then Rebecca, you're moving back. <laughs> 
just like started ordering people around <laughs> and uh not not totally ordering them around but yeah so it's um yeah and so that energy you're sensing is a lot of that where just all of a sudden it's like okay I'm back on track and I'm gonna freaking do this <laughs> I, I I tell you Catherine I love where you are I mean your energy is really good you're fired up I'm not hearing a lot of drag I'm hearing a lot of uh operating from a from a place of truth and authenticity so that all feels good you know, and what I would say is, may may your projects be as deep as the ocean and your tasks be as light as the foam. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's profound. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> um, but that that is kind of the way, I think that's a good way to look at that, right? Because, because uh, you know, you're in San Diego, a lot of ocean down there, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, I think that there's the opportunity is recognize that you are in a position to be thinking big picture, to be going deep, thinking deep, you know, you don't have time to worry about a six foot swell on the surface. That's not what you're concerned is, is you know, like, we need to make sure there are no tidal waves coming and we need to make sure the ship is going in, in the correct direction and that all the things are happening. And, um, but trusting your, your people. Yeah, um, that's going to be a big thing. And it sounds like how long were you married? Seven years. Okay. So seven years. Um, first marriage. Yep. Okay. Um, it, it sounds like there was a shakeup in your reality that may have created an opportunity for you to slow down, pause and uh, ensure that your footing was solid again. And it sounds like you did that really well, like based on what I'm hearing, based on your energy, um, you didn't, it, it doesn't sound like that you tried to maintain the same pace and speed when this happened. You said, okay, well, hold on a second here. And you kind of went into triage mode. And now you're on uh -oh. the other side of that, right? you you feel good everything's running good your your feeder you're on solid footing um so now I, I i think it's a question of kind of some what i would say for you some pretty easy mind shift kinds of things um and breaking the patterns of clinging onto the yeah. things that are really going to slow you down because this is how you'll get on the hamster wheel right and and be overwhelmed with too much stuff yeah, you know, part of a big part of the healing was that I feel like there was some minor psychological abuse. I'm not gonna like throw, you know, it's hard to say that because you know it it wasn't what you see in the movies or something, but there was some ugly patterns in that marriage. And um, so a lot of my healing was kind of realizing or, you know, especially for women and maybe men too, shame around, gosh, I was in this horrible marriage where this person treated me this way and talked to me this way. And I allowed it and made excuses for it. Uh, and so some, I think sometimes my bouncing back is more of kind of the imposter syndrome of like, I'm definitely not that person. So I'm going to go the other direction and be this other oh, overcompensating yeah but then oh, this overcompensation version of me feels good and maybe this is the romance like trying to figure out who i am really again um mm -hmm. through all of this the um where are you on the shame around the abuse kind of thing the, the emotional abuse 
Um, I'm working through it. I mean, I, it still happens, you know, our communication is not great. Um, it's very ugly and you and him in some, yeah, in some ways okay. it's, um, kind of re-traumatizing, you know? Okay. I guess the difference is that before, I think one of the reasons it's ugly is before I just kind of let it go. It's easier to let you be that way. It's safer in my house and quieter. And now I push back on a lot of things that, uh, so I wonder if he's struggling with that. <laughs> he's struggling with the pushback. Yeah. That I'm, oh, yeah, I most different. likely. Yeah. yeah. Say, hey, how how dare you not let me do shitty things to you again? Like, what what is this yeah. person? Like, yeah. that's not our dance. Okay. Exactly. The humans humans very quickly in a relationship they they get into what I like to call their dance, mm-hmm. and and it it happens pretty quickly, and then it gets reinforced over time. You know, I I say this and you do that, and I do this and you say that, and that's just our dance, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's all about, do we have conscious awareness around these things? And can we interrupt those automated things? Cause these, these dances do get automated, but the second you become conscious of something and you decide, wait, I want to change the dance instead of doing the tango, I want to do the salsa. Well, your partner goes, wait, that's not our dance. Come back and starts dragging you back to the other thing. Right. Um, because change is just not fun. Right. And it's like, this is not our dance. Wait, I'm supposed, you're, I'm supposed to say these things and you're supposed to pretend to ignore it or whatever the agreement, yeah. the unspoken agreements are. So, <laughs> um, the shame thing's not going to serve you here. And I think there's an opportunity because the shame typically comes from this idea and, and tell me if I'm, if this is not correct for you, but I should have done, I should have done this differently. I should have done this better. Okay. Yep. Based on what? Well, I mean, I think about certain scenarios with where my kids were there and like wishing I would have stepped in and been like, you're not allowed to talk to me that way in front of our kids, or you're not allowed to talk to our kid that way, or you're not allowed to do that. So right. it's like this and person you- of like stepping in and putting my arms out and like, no, and right. I didn't do that, you know? Right. And feelings drive action. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't want to get mired in the circumstances because let's, let's go a little deeper than that. Cause that's where the impact happens. When you feeling the basic neuroscience, feelings drive actions, actions produce results. So you took the action of not saying something, right? Mm -hmm. I made a decision not to act, you know, not to act is still an act. Um, What were you feeling when you made that decision to allow him to say that in that situation with the kids present? What were you feeling? Fear. What were you afraid of? What was the thought behind the fear? His, his reaction to me or that maybe he wouldn't have reacted in the moment, but the, the fight we would have had later about how I shouldn't have stepped in and that kind of a thing. Got it. So there was a protection mechanism there. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm afraid that bad things will happen either now or later if I do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is an automated survival mechanism. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. This is unconscious, right. right. Automated. This is, this is an amygdala hijack. You go into fear you in when, okay. So basic brain stuff that I know, you know, but the, the back of the brain, right at the base of the skull, there's your amygdala. It's the oldest part of the brain. It's been around since you fully formed the day you were born your advanced brain, where it's carrying all this ideas about, I could have done this. I could have done that is up here in the prefrontal cortex that shows up about age 25. Right. So the amygdala has got a 25 year head start on the, on the prefrontal cortex. Um, and when the amygdala takes over the prefrontal cortex, knowing that the amygdala has a 25 year head start is not going to run that race. It says, okay, I'm just going to take a nap. You can do it. Yeah. 
The problem, as you know, is the amygdala really only has four options for dealing with all problems, fight, flight, freeze, faint. Right. That's it, right? <laughs> it's all, it's got four things. That's it. So in that moment, you, you through the experience of fear, you chose kind of a, a um, uh, freeze, right? Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of faint if there was a pulling back, but whatever. Um, so the part of your brain that could have said, hey, wait a minute. I'm I'm a grown person in this and this is you know I'm going to be emotionally regulated here and deal with this problem was completely offline. Right. That makes this sense. This is basic neurophysiology. So, what you're saying is I'm ashamed of basic physiology. <laughs> I guess so. I hadn't right? thought about <laughs> that <way>. right. <laughs> so, if we go a step further, it's like okay, so where's the shame really coming from, right? Because you're telling yourselves a lot of stories about what you could have done, what you should have done. If you could have done it, wouldn't you have? Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. You, like, because in this case, you were actually physiologically incapable of doing what later you can say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Right. So maybe there's an opportunity to let yourself off the hook here. Instead of saying, you know, oh, I'm I'm so terrible. Apparently, I have basic human physiology. Right. <laughs> That's true. You don't, I guess you yeah, you don't think about it that way. That literally your brain takes over or part of your right. brain takes over that you just couldn't control. Um now, you know, I can say that I'm right about this or whatever. And um, but ultimately it's not about it's not about me being right. It's a question of what is one potential alternate aligned way to look at this? And when I say aligned, I mean, everything you believe is a choice, okay? Mm -hmm. right. Beliefs are choices that we haven't taken responsibility for. When we take responsibility, when you take full ownership of what we believe, then it becomes our opportunity and maybe arguably our obligation to select the choice, the belief that aligns with the goals and the outcomes that we want. Mm-hmm. So if you think about this situation, what are the goals and the outcomes that I want here? Which belief is aligned that, you know, you are terrible and in incompetent or you are physically incapable in that moment. And mm -hmm. this is what happened, right? I'm not saying that you need to choose this one or that one. I'm saying which one of those, or maybe something else is the aligned choice with the outcomes that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can sort of answer that. I think, uh, so I know definitely spending a lot of time with both of my children around setting boundaries, being strong, and I guess in some ways trying to inject the things they might need for that scenario that I was in. And, um, right. so that's one way I'm, I'm sort of course correcting, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. This is the part that a lot of clients have a hard time with. If you want to fix this uh, and you want to fix it sustainably and quickly, mm -hmm. the price of this is really expensive. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to let yourself off the hook. Mm -hmm. You cannot blame, shame, or judge yourself into fixing this in a sustainable way. And if you do, it's a very dissonant sort of motivator. It's like the job. It's like the boss that tells you do this correctly or else you'll get fired. Okay. Right. That might work for a little while, but it's going to fry you at some point. The same is true 
with shaming, blaming, judging yourself into course correction. It doesn't work effectively and it's much more expensive energetically. Mm -hmm. So if we can reallocate where your resources are coming from here, um, because this is like, I'm kind of in the resource management business in this regard. If, if we can get your ego, cause this is all ego construct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Call it the soul. The soul has no interest in blame or victimhood or any of this stuff. This is all ego construct shit. Mm -hmm. So if we can move your ego out of the way and let yourself off the hook, then we can have an effective change here a lot quicker. And this is one of the things that in my experience and in, in our organization that we work with in particular, a lot of executive women on, it's the hardest work that, that we do with many of them is getting them to let themselves off the hook. Mm -hmm. Because what you have is an interpretation of reality here. Mm -hmm. And you get to interpret reality however you want. Right. So if you can, if it feels true for you, like, you know what? He's right. This is physiology. If I could have done better, I certainly would have. I'm always doing the best I can in any given moment. And it's not always what I want it to be. I'm not, I'm not for anybody. I have some very bad news. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be the best always 100% of the time. <laughs> just, just, Dang it. Right? <laughs> Damn it. But we set that expectation. Like I should always have done it perfectly. That's right. Dumb. Right. That's right. just not even a thing. So step one is to let yourself off the hook. And that is recognize, okay, I'm in judgment of myself. I'm going to let the judgment go. I'm not a bad parent or a bad mom or a bad partner or whatever the judgment is. Mm -hmm. Because the truth of the situation is I had a reaction. I went into freeze and I was afraid of dealing with things later. And this is the result. The result of that is I let him off the hook. I let him get away with something. Mm -hmm. No shame, yeah. no judgment. Yeah. It's the result. So now, now that we understand our actions, our thoughts, our feelings, and everything without the judgment, we go, okay, good to know. Now I understand. Because with this mental knowing, we can start to move into an embodied, physical, energetic knowing. Because as you know, of all people, the delta between knowing and not knowing, very small. The delta between knowing and doing is huge. Right. And so, but, it, and it does start with the knowing. Um, that was a lot I recognize. <laughs> what is, <laughs> how's this all landing for you? I mean. It's good. I hadn't thought about, you know, of course I'm see a therapist and we talk about the shame and all of that. And um, I, you put it in a different way than she has, you know, saying you, you couldn't respond. You've literally had no options. And, um, so you can't feel shame around that. And, um, you don't want to overcorrect because of shame, because it is very emotionally draining and, and energetic draining. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate this new perspective on, on that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So the thing about Shane, I'm, I'm cautious when I say you shouldn't feel shame around something. The fact is you are or yeah. were. Well, you didn't say you shouldn't feel shame. Yeah, you know, but I think you said that she's <laughs> like, you shouldn't like, because the thing is that feelings are facts about people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this doesn't mean they're rational. It doesn't mean they're, they're, they're not to be, they're not rational or irrational. They're not justified or unjustified. They simply are. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling anger, that's a fact. I am feeling that period. Right. Right? right. It's a fact about me in that moment. 
So the opportunity is to understand, whoa, 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 whoa. Again, neuroscience, feelings drive actions, thoughts create feelings. Wait, if I was feeling shame, what was the thought behind right. that? Because now I'm going to start to understand my inner framework, my operating system. Um, because then from that point, you can disentangle these things. Now, I also like, uh, I really love what Brene Brown says about shame. Mm -hmm. I personally think that shame has no function whatsoever. It is completely useless other than to shoot yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. um, guilt, however, guilt has a social function. Because mm -hmm. um, guilt, I screw something up. It means, okay, I, I feel bad, so I won't do it again. So guilt has a social function. Shame, however, is has no function whatsoever. And the difference between those two things, according to Brene Brown, is that guilt is I've done bad. Shame is I am bad. Mm. And those are two very different things. Yeah. So yes. there's a situation where I wish I could have done it better. I understand that I couldn't, but now I know. And so, um, but I did something. It was a behavior. It was not a being of your person. Right. It was right. not something you are. You were not bad. You did something that wasn't ideal. Right. 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 I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know that I'm telling you anything you don't know. Though. I know that's the thing is you're saying things I do know, but it's, you know, you have to hear them sometimes to, okay. you know, and you hear them from different people in different ways and it's all helpful. So what do you need to do now? Because this is, and this is the really hard part is how do I embody this? Like, how do I, how do I drop it down from in my head, from an academic knowledge into my cellular structure, my energetic field? Like, how can I be that thing? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So this is the question, right? Like, yeah. What, what would that look like? I mean, let's, let's ask you, let's ask that question. What would it look like? Where, where's someplace you're carrying a little bit of shame around something? Like I, it could be, I mean, something really insignificant. I drink too much coffee or whatever. Yeah. Too much, too many glasses of wine sometimes. <laughs> too many glasses of wine. Okay, great. <laughs> And there's some kind of charge of shell, like, like, oh, I, I don't want to tell everybody that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, like, dang it. What did okay. I do? <laughs> so what would it look like? What would it feel like? How would you, how would you express having the wine that you like having without any shame? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, I think the shame sometimes comes from society telling you you shouldn't drink it or, you know, or you feel maybe it's like you felt you wanted to do something the next morning, but you didn't do it at all or didn't do it well because you were feeling a little slow. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think there's a variety of things, you know. Well, let's, okay. So let's, right. And I, and um, so how would it sound the next morning, right? Here's how the shame sounds. If I'm hearing you correctly, the shame sounds like, Oh gosh, I really shouldn't have had that wine. <laughs> yeah, that third glass was a little. <laughs> right. Shouldn't have had the third glass of wine because I'm feeling a little embarrassed, right? Yeah. Okay. What would it sound like? What would somebody, without making any commitments, without making like anything here, just theoretically, if somebody were to wake up without shame, having had that third glass of wine, what would they sound like? They'd be like, last night was great. <laughs> that's why I had that third glass. Woo, I was loving my wine, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, notice the difference. How look like look, notice how fun that is for you. Just in that moment to be like, oh, there's no shame, right? Like in that moment, as you came up with that, 
your whole energy changed. Yeah. You got lighter, you got bigger, like your, your field got more expansive. I mean, I can see it, right. As, as, cause you know, while this is a podcast, I can see you here on the, on the video, but you got much more expansive. Mm-hmm. Now that's important because you're growing a business, right? It's expansive versus shame is contracted. Oh, I'm going to hide. I'm going to get small. I'm going to, I'm going to contract right. in on myself. Oh, I shouldn't have had that third glass versus woo, had that third glass. That gave me a headache. <laughs> I can even say, wow, shouldn't have had that third glass, but notice there's no shame in that. It's like, right. wow, I'm like, I don't have any shame around it though. Right. Right. The deeper energetic pattern opportunity here for you is around the shame thing because it contracts you. Mm-hmm. So tying this all back around, CEO, multi-million dollar company, shame is going to contract you. Mm -hmm. And because the way the brain works, as you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're doing it over here, you're doing it in a lot of places because that's the way the brain works. So if we can start finding the places where, mm -hmm. and maybe the wine is one of them, where you can start to practice this, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you need to broadcast it. It doesn't mean you need to tell other people. But if you can wake up the next morning and be in that place of, I am choosing out of shame. I am choosing gratitude for the wine. I'm choosing like anything else, mm -hmm. right? Even if you have a little bit of a headache, even if your body's like, mm, shouldn't have done that one, whatever. You don't need to carry the shame around that. Right. So, and because, you know, making this, is, making this actionable is really important. If you can find places where it's safe enough for you to release your shame and practice that and practice moving to something else, your brain will start to learn that pattern. Your, your neurotransmitters will file differently. You will literally change your existence in this world by making these seemingly small changes. I like that. That is awesome. I appreciate that. So where else, like beyond the wine, where's, where's something else that you might be able to practice something like this? Um, I mean, going back to the original comment around, like I should have stepped in and didn't kind of a thing just to talk about that differently with myself that, um, I didn't, and mm -hmm. I can't thinking about it and feeling bad about it. It's not serving me. So mm -hmm it is what it is. I did what I did and I got to move on. And either way, whether that happened or not, I am the type of person who was going to teach my kids emotional intelligence and boundaries and all of that anyways. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, don't do right. it with the, like the thought process of, Oh, I here's, I got a course. Correct. It's just, this right. is who I am and what I was going to teach them anyways. You can do this anywhere. You can do this on a golf course. If I hit a bad shot, I can be ashamed or embarrassed because of the three, the three or four other people that are with me. Or I can go, holy crap, does it get much worse than that? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's choice, right? right. Um, you can practice this literally anywhere. And here's the other thing I want to share with you about the kids thing, because in my experience, parents in particular put so much pressure on themselves to be perfect for their kids to lead by example. Mm -hmm. Again, you're going to fail at this. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. It's just, you're not going to be perfect all the time. So in the psychobiological approach to couples therapy, PACT, uh, P-A-C-T, we don't talk about doing everything perfect and being right all the time. We talk about fixing it quickly. Right. So it's not about doing it right. It's about fixing it fast. So when you recognize, oh my gosh, last night I totally went into a shame spiral and the kids were there and they saw that. You go back and say, hey kids, guess what? <laughs> I really went into a shame spiral last night and here's what happened, right? Because now 
they also have the same permission to fix it fast, right? Without right. the pressure of being perfect all the time. Right. So that's the magic in this. this. To highlight kind of your homework, number one, practice the release of shame and move into the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, creating the space of permission to be imperfect, knowing you can fix it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then number three, uh, reorienting to that CEO mindset um, you know, I like to advise, I sort of jokingly, I say, go over, I said, be as lazy as you possibly can and still get the important things done. Yeah. <laughs> How can I do as little as possible today? Like right. <laughs> pulls, pulls the pendulum the other way so you can find the fulcrum, the balance point. So. Right. Right. Thank you so much. This was Thank awesome. You. I appreciate Thank it. You for being a part of this. Thank you for engaging. If you have any questions, if you need anything, please reach out. If something comes up or if something awesome happens, definitely call me. I want to hear about it. Will do. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. (laughs) Bye. If you have an issue, a problem, a goal, something you want to work out or work through, go to statusflow.net and ask to be on our podcast. You will get a live coaching session with me. And again, it can be confidential. We can do all kinds of magic in the digital studios here. So we can make you sound like, I don't know, Gollum or something. (laughs) Statusflow.net. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.